Welcome to the Makeup Artist Magazine podcast, a conversation about the great Dick Smith part two with Mark Bignello, Craig Reardon, Kevin Haney, and Peter Montagna. Because altered states was extremely frustrating. Well, Try having all the moles crack on the hunger. Oh. First run, found the moles are cracking. First run. First to second run, Kevin, maybe? No, they, no, it's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you pried the, them open. The, uh, <coughs> oh my the, God. the brush layer... Uh, the ultra Came cow. Away. The ultra cow was 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 had changed. The form mm. the formula was starting. They were starting period. to mine from lesser gypsum, Portland cement, whatever the magic ingredient was. It wasn't the same as it was ten years That's, before. I that. And he because of the time frame, he elected not to use epoxy cow. Mm. So he do straight ultra cow acro. And the problem with Acryl and romoplastilina is that um, it tell, can, tell, it can tell them what acryl is. Kevin. Well, acryl is a is actually John Chambers uh, uh, innovation. Acryl sixty is a concrete additive to mm. where you substitute some of the water with acrylic, uh, a special acrylic mixture to make it almost like a resin mold. And uh, in this case, the whole first coat powdered. Yeah, it yeah. was still on the mold when they were demolded, and oh it was God. heartbreaking. Yeah, Fortunately, yeah. Dick's attention to detail there was still plenty of detail there, mm. uh, but it was heartbreaking for him, and it was just. And then the molds started to crack. And were we talking about the mummy molds or the no, the, oh, the no, the David oh, Bowie molds? I have, I have them out back in the storage unit. Oh Lord, wow. you know, and and, and he wrapped them in celastic, it, yeah, to keep them from. Falling, falling and I, apart. And I want to say that somebody came up with the idea of like actually painting a little, maybe it was Carl, painting some additional uh, acryl to into, har- to, harden the to surface. try to get resin into the surface. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but it was a, it was a heartbreak. I mean, as good as those, uh, as good as those uh, makeups look, there's a softness to them that maybe helped it in the, in the, in the, in the uh, in the long run, you know, it's, I'm, I'm so glad this came up between you and Pete because there is, I think, an assumption that Dick Smith was golden. Everything, you know, it was all different for him. Everything, every touch no. turned to gold. No. no, sometimes it turned to wet sand and it fell out from under him. You know, and he funny. had to cope with it's, it just like human beings have funny, to rise to an occasion. It's right? Funny, it's funny you're saying that because you, when you work with the man, you see he's he's. You know, the, he's the, living the, in your the world. Rules of you know the rules of uh, physics don't don't bend for him. It's mm-hmm. the, he has the yeah. same issues and problems that everybody else has. And it's, it's the, how he coped with it, and yeah, how he yes. dealt with it. It's the drive yeah. to uh, make it better. How can I make it better? How can I prevent this from happening exactly. again? Right. I mean, you even you talked about changing the direction of the hair. You. <laughs> and I, I admire your balls. You, uh, when it came what to the, I do? I don't remember. When it came to the Catherine de eyes, you, you challenged him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dick had me make the eyeballs for all the, all the dummy heads. He, he liked the way. Prior to that, I was yeah. just a grunt. I was just I was sweeping the floor. I was working, doing some mold work, cleaning up, uh, working on moles and this and that. But he liked the way I made eyes. He, he saw some of the work that I had done. So he says, okay, I want you to make all the eyes for all the dummy heads. So he wanted them to look old, the old age, like an old age. So the first pair I made, he goes, no, no good, no good, redo it. 
So I redid it again. No, no good. No, redo it. And then he's telling me specifically what he wanted. But it was frustrating because he had it in his mind. I had to, I had to visualize or, or materialize what he had, what he was thinking. Hmm. And it was just so much work. He had to delegate it to somebody, and you know. But eventually, I, I you know, I, I did it. And he liked he, the third pair was was the charm, and he liked it. And that those are the ones that are in the Danube. And weren't those the ones that, that you did your way? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the thing. It was like, oh, Peter. It's like, <laughs> wouldn't it be easier if you just did it the way he told you to? And yeah. it's like, no. But the result, I think over time, you know, Dick was a different person at this time than he was at, say, NBC, where all I heard was, how are you, how are you, how are you coping? He's a monster, you know, and there was like he was legendary, and this temper and this, 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 you know. You know, he was a human being. Stuff. He's a man. Yeah, he, right. it, you know, you, you have you put people on a pedestal, and sometimes it's you get to see what they're really like as as a person and how they cope with with problems, and that's what he he was he was a huge problem solver. Yes, and that was the, and, that and, was and, the and full yes. takeaway. The, and by so that much point, so that he would slightly resent it if you if you solve one for him. Well, the interesting Before we get thing, too far, but he had I just a great, want to great say pride about in the it. hunger. Those mm. early stage age makeups are my favorite. Yeah, they're pretty Kevin had a huge hand. Pretty phenomenal. The, I the didn't really care for me. the like once he gets to be like no. sixty-five. Little or big something, man returns. Yeah, starts becoming a little big man. Yeah. Well, those, those those sculptures he did over the weekend. I saw. Oh, really? We left on a Friday, and he wow. had just roughly blocked. I have photos of, of the whole process of those sculptures. Kind of the nineteen forties makeup, nineteen fifties makeup were just gorgeous. Yeah, those love, are, love, those love are phenomenal. Us. And Kevin had the unenviable task of having him. Dick would block out half of the face. And then Kevin had to re-block the other half out. No pressure. Really? Yeah, yeah. no problem. I did not know this. I learned yeah. something well, new again. And I learned a lot from that. <laughs> <laughs> and up to the 70. He let me do up to the 70. Yeah. And uh, the thing that's interesting about the older uh, the older stages is I love the 90-year-old. But uh, I don't think it... I, 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 I want to say that you're you're mistaken that it, that he he worked on the 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 old age stuff for for a long time. No, but I mean from when we left on a Friday and came back on a Monday, he had one sculpture blocked out to the point yeah, yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. he was very fast. No, no, no. It, 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 there was, was no very fastness, and very at quick. one point because I remember him spending there were a couple things. Again, it's like there was one day where you know he's working on the old guy. And, detailing it and then all of a sudden he looks at it and he goes Kevin you're going to learn a lesson here he says he says where's my piano wire and he grabs the thing with the piano wire and looks at the head and goes never be wedded to anything and he pulls oh. it up and cuts the nose and the chin off <laughs> wow and I went Ouch. What did you do? A little part of me just <laughs> sort of like inside sort, watching sort of, that. Yeah, sort of like sort of like Tony Stark in in, in Infinity War. Why did you do that? <laughs> you know? yeah. oh, it's gee. like what did you see? And then he completely did it, and he said, "No, it was too much." Sometimes and it's like now I'm going to scale it back. Yeah. And then yeah. doing that, but there was another day where. He, he was just working on it and detailing it and finishing it up, and then. God damn it! I bumped it, <laughs> and it was like he had hit it with his elbow or something. Not thinking, which we've all done. Hell yeah! But it's like that—that that passion of creation also means that you know you've got to be just on that cusp. That 
that drive, that 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 desire to create something that's extraordinary, which he didn't do out of self-aggrandizement or out of ego or, I mean, there's a little bit of ego, but it was never so that Dick Smith could be great. It was like, work. what does it need? What does the script require? And how do I do this to the best of my ability? Um, the other thing was the with the innovation was he said, Kevin, I have to be honest with you, I'm functionally lazy. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> he said, yeah. I says, I, everything I come up with for, uh, for an innovation is to make it easier. So it's Necessity like... is the mother of invention, though. Yeah. And, and Shostrom, Mark Shostrom said he had a letter of Dick's, because he going back to how he problem-solved and how he figured this out in his basement, essentially in a vacuum. I mean, in shops, you know, you cross-pollinate and work with other people. Sure. Um, Mark Shostrom had a letter that he took it to a handwriting analyst, and the analyst looked at it and goes, oh, this is handwriting of a genius, whatever this is. Wow. <laughs> and that really? was like, Yeah, that's, as Shostrom said that's that. That's great. And he, maybe Please that, don't show them my handwriting. <laughs> 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 or mine. Yeah. But again, how he came up with, how he just thought stuff. I mean, you guys were there as he was thinking this, he, and that compounded well, the pressure. Well, the problem of it, but you, but you know you're there, but you don't, you're not in his head. Yeah. And, and that's where, uh, or if, it, if we've worked this in anywhere, uh, there is a division between the technical insight and imagination and then just the will-o'-the-wisp of the artist, yeah. which I am a great proponent of, I think. Uh, that is an essential element, and uh, it, tra- it, it, it goes outside the topic. Yeah. Yeah, there are other great makeups that we admire. There are this. That's yeah. a what age? Uh, I'm, I'm showing the guys. Michael has just brought up on his phone, and we're that's looking the, at it. That's the, one of them. Uh, is that, that's is that when you work. Is that sixty-five or is that fifty-five? It's that's David 65. Bowie I think from that's The Hunger. Six, and, is that sixty-five? That's supposed to be sixty-five. Yeah. 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 And he did an interesting thing with that makeup. Yeah, let me see. Rather than a full wrap piece, he split the he split the piece into he split it down the center of the neck. That was me. So you had one piece here and one piece here. So you get a. You that get was a your better, idea. You get a better cutting edge. This is the sixty-five because the the neck piece is uh, the neck piece is, is all one piece. Which oh, that's one piece. That's one piece. That's okay. the, the also the 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 bags are stipple, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And he also said he would never do that again. He didn't like the idea that he was well, going to he, line up. The problem well, was... This is so close. If, Bowie, if you would lift this a little bit longer, it would look just like this. I think so. And that's, yeah. the and that's rubber, rubber. Painted rubber. Yeah. Right. The ma- well, well, there's silicone. That's well, painted yeah, rubber. And, there's, and, and it's packs and rubber. Because why? Because art. Because yeah, it's exactly. the artist. But mm. the split was, was, was my suggestion because mm. he didn't want to do a wrap. And he mm. said, well, will this work? And it's like, yeah. No, and it it's like, and thought. it worked great up to a point. Right. But then I guess on the day, which when John was helping him, that it, it would split away. There was oh, no blending piece to right, tie it right, together. Right. So it was a weak point for when he was going through Central Park and stuff. Uh, but it was, you know, still yeah. one of the things that impressed me was his ability to talk to people like Harvey and George and. <laughs> Uh, yourself and 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 Rick, he was all and 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 Peter and Doug and Carl. Everybody was a member of the think tank, and yeah. nobody was diminished by. Well, that's a he never never. I don't remember him ever saying that's a stupid suggestion. No, no. It was like hmm. It was always like, huh? I mean, you gave him a lot of inspiration, Craig, with some of your innovations. Well, I had some ideas that picked at some of his block 
points on that, but only like two or, two or three. And then one, and then a rescue job on set that I've told you about where the suit yeah. split. And the innovation with the seamless bolt. The seamless uh, absolutely. Bolt. You know, and, and all of that. I don't mean to step on no, you, Peter, but okay. I want to make a point that all of that, what, for all of that, not one of us ever lost sight of the fact that he was our captain, that yeah, this was the guy exactly. that we were, we felt honored to be working oh. with. Well, he was a smart was, man. He he he. That transcended everything, even frustration. Good, well, he mm -hmm. he understood the idea that a, a good idea is a good idea, regardless of who it comes from. Yeah, he was smart enough to know that. He called me one time on a Saturday morning and asked me a question about something, and I and I I, I was so taken back by that. I said, Dick, I got to stop you for a second. This is really it's kind of <laughs> surreal. You're calling me and asking me a question about glue, <laughs> and I, I said it's kind of it's kind of weird that you know you're calling me and he goes. He goes, he goes, well, I don't know everything. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you don't, but it's just weird for me. You're calling me to ask me a question about something. But insecure yeah, people know. hate to but, show but that they smart. need help. He they they hate enough. that. But he, he didn't he, mind it. No, he didn't. And, and if you, was the boss. And if you got That's that right. call, you had arrived. It's like he looked at you as a peer and not as an underling or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's not something that, you know, you want to... You know, make your head swell with it, but because oh, no. there's always something in the, over in the corner that's going to knock you down a few pegs. But he was he was always about that because you know why? Because when he was starting out, George Bow was the only makeup artist that helped him at all. Mm -hmm. All the other Hollywood makeup artists just ignored him mm -hmm. or called him. You know that that sneaky sneak going around stealing stealing Can our. Can I tell you a really devastating one? And I'm not going to say who said it. A four-eyed freak with formulas. Wow, yeah. really? And I know who said it. And it's the sad thing is, it usually nice, comes huh? out of a place of uh, insecurity. Yes, professional and jealousy. That's that's being threatened. You wouldn't say that about someone who was truly innocuous who didn't threaten you. He You'd had, say that about somebody who has you worried. He had a rough time finding out what they used on when he was. Uh, Trying to discover what they were using for certain things when he was, you know, looking for information. Yeah. He had. A, he told me. He said I had a, I had a rough time because yeah. Hollywood guys wouldn't talk to me. Bow was the only one who was to totally me. generous. He taught him from latex. Mm -hmm. uh, he taught him, uh, and and they continued. Yeah. Uh, they continued for many years. So he used a lot of Bow's personal stuff. And he wrote a beautiful yeah. uh, eulogy. About George, when George tragically yeah. killed himself, you know. I don't think even New York makeup artists really shared much with Dick. Other I mean, television, like well, the movie guys. No, Dick. I, oh, no, I don't no, know no, about no, New York. No, no. New York, New York. Dick was king. He was putting New York on the map. He was. Yeah. Uh, the movie guys were yeah, the movie sure. guys. Oh, yeah. There was no big differentiation. I mean, yeah. if if all any of the movie guys needed anything, Dick Smith was the first name out. It was like Dick Smith or Bob Layden. Yeah. Uh, so and Bradovich was just too unstable. Who was low. doing appliances before Dick? I mean, obviously, Dick, it's not Dick, Dick. No, it no. started. Nobody in New York. No. No. no, And in fact, when I came to New York, Lee Bagan actually said, "Well, good luck here." Dick Smith left and took all the appliance work with him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he but gave that up. was kind of the bitterness of you know, well, you're not getting any more work from from Dick. But for whatever reason, Dick Smith, you know, Carl, uh, Carl Fullerton, Bob Layden, you know, uh, there was another guy, Robert Philippe, 
Hopefully, uh, yes. Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, you know, these were these he were members the of the, on the exercise. Yeah, and these guys were, were, were they, you know, they put on Dick's appliances. Vin Kehoe had a fundamental knowledge, but nothing is is is. Yeah. Uh, I think Burt Roth was another one that. Burt Roth was at ABC, but there was a little bit of, of jealousy yeah. there because uh, he was at ABC and uh, he wasn't Dick Smith. So yeah. it's like, oh well. They, yeah. And Dick had a lot more camaraderie with the, the English makeup artists than he did the West Coast makeup artists, where. To your point, well, like there's so many them. people were like shut door, weren't mm. weren't willing to communicate. Well, Stuart was very open. Stuart, yeah, they were Stuart would tell you anything. Was was, yeah. was was a sweetheart. Yeah. And then he actually mentored Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. He turned down the Elephant Man. <laughs> and, Dick and, and, yeah, yeah, Dick, Dick was that. offered. He didn't want anything to do with it, and he was so impressed with what Chris Tucker yeah. did. And mm-hmm. what the irony is is that after the Elephant Man, you know. It it put England on the map for for prosthetic makeup because Chris brought a you know a, a refinement much like what Dick did mm-hmm. in the United States. Dick had a huge body of work before the uh, Little Big Man and all. He mm-hmm. was in he oh, was yeah. in TV in the forties. All those it, all those productions yeah, at, Bro- all at, those. at the Brooklyn stages. Yeah. he did so many did Peter specials. Pan, Peter Pan, oh, Pan. Peter, with Boris Karloff. Uh, boy, when I heard that he did Peter Pan, yeah. I grew up watching every year. I and just beauty was, wow. He was a fine. Well, he was a working makeup artist. Yeah. He had to do makeup everything. Artist. And he did everything well. That's what a lot of press well. guys completely forget. Her he was not a one-trick yeah. pony. He, he was a, an advisor for Vogue. He was, exactly. He, Shit, he also, uh, as much as, you know, I, I think the Westmores made a beauty plot that worked consistently, but Dick brought beauty makeup for television to a certain high standard, and people don't think of him uh, as that. He did the Ernie Kovacs show, mm-hmm. you know? Did he I really? Mean, yeah, because oh, he cited, there was one point on Altered States where he was talking about possibly for a close-up using Bill Hurt in the... The Nairobi in the, trio? In the, the eighth... <laughs> <laughs> And, which, which one of those one of those gorillas? I is, wish he'd done it. Oh, which, I wish he'd done which it. Which one of those gorillas was uh, Jack Lemon? Jack Lemon, that's right, but the pianist. He was going to do. There was a for uh, anyway for the ape man. He was he was he proposed the idea that uh, they do a close up of Bill Hurt in the ape man makeup because on the Ernie Kovac show he did a thing where they had a sheepdog. And they lifted up the hair, and they cut to a close-up of Ernie Kovacs <laughs> in a dog makeup, going, you know, or whatever it was. But he cited that, like, as a precedent to possibly using Bill Hurt in a close-up so that you could see that it was Bill Hurt as the ape man. Well, speaking of dog makeups, do you remember Dick's anecdote about the Godfather? He put yes. On, he, put, he put dog ears on himself. I guess maybe blacked his nose, and he said from the next room to Brando, boy, the schedule, I am dog tired. (laughs) And then he says, I tell you, and then he walks into the room and looks at Brando and says, I'm dog tired. He says, Brando just fell over. He loved it. The cool thing about the relationship with with Dick and Brando is that he told some amazing stories about Brando's sense of humor. Uh, Brando was the only uh, artist that... Uh, he did ahead of that, and unequivocally signed off on on the 
on the permissions to mm. use that. Wow. He was so taken with them. And there was one day where he, Dick was like halfway through the makeup and Brando stands up and goes, okay, uh, that's good enough. It's a long shot. And Dick's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, but, uh, and then he came oh, around and was like, no, 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 I'm only kidding. Oh, maybe he was just having a yeah. yeah, tells to go at yeah. it. And he tells a devastating story about that they got a couple of stand-ins to carry the stretcher up and down the stairs for uh, when he's dead and they're, oh, and they're, and they're carrying him into the private right? room. Yeah. And uh, they were stunt guys. And, and Brando had them put... Like stage weights on the stretcher. Mm. So these guys had to struggle. <laughs> these guys are, are picking him up, and he's going, "What's the matter, fellas?" <laughs> oh, it was him and stage yeah. weights. It was him and stage weights. Come on, guys, you he look pretty it. healthy yeah. with a stretcher. <laughs> but that sense of humor—it was, it, you know, Dick was very lucky, and I think that. You know, oh my God, Brand, lucky! The yeah. greatest of the 20th century. But but Brando, Max von Sydow, Olivier, Olivier, Hoffman, you know all the great. You know, yeah, it's just the the Pacino when he, he was just yeah. taking off. Yeah, yeah, just a kid. De Niro. He was getting Dick was getting because of his reputation. Every wacky script that had something strange. He in was. It, he, he got it. He absolutely it landed, was. It landed on. And his sometimes yeah. he regretted getting yeah. it. Well, he bit on that. He was fired off a Tootsie. Yeah, oh, I, I know. know that. Isn't that something? It's There's like a, wow, wow, wow. And yet, the best thing wow. of the of the all the work that Dick did survives, which is the fucking teeth, because Dusty has these short little teeth, and that full pretty tooth when he when he she smiles. To me, that makes it. And it's the glamour see, makeup. And you can see the font. Any of us could yeah. do it. You can see the font on the case. Well, in the beginning, yeah. the tracking shot. You have all the the, the Dick but Smith. But Mark fonts. said oh. something interesting that yeah. I've never heard. So there was, I don't know if it was on eBay, but there was a series of letters that were written by Dick Smith that somebody put up for auction, and I, and I screenshot them. I have them somewhere, and one of them he talks about, whoever he was writing to, about bidding on this, this ape movie that's coming out in the late 60s with all these ape makeups. And, oh, my God. And I assume it was Planet of the Apes oh that Ben Chambers got, but Probably. if he was getting the scripts at that point, yeah. and, and you know, I, it didn't even occur to me, like you know, Rick Baker uh, posted a picture of him in the lion makeup, and he said this was when I was trying to get Alan to Dr. Moreau. Which ultimately went to Jeff. I forgot. Like, wow, of course they would be. Uh, who else would you go to at that point in time yeah. to do those type of makeups? I'll find those letters, Kevin. But imagine getting, a, imagine getting a script that had effects in it, makeup things in it, that no one's ever done before. You have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's Now you get a script. Oh, it's okay. They have this, this, and this. Okay. I pretty much, you know, it's, we're going we're to do this and this. But no one had ever done any of this stuff. So we not only have to do the movie, you had to figure it out. So there was so that, that it was work that, unequivocally. There was that element to it as well. And in doing so, invent new techniques. No no pressure here, guys. You know? I know because he got uh have actually on one of the IMAT shows, one of the early ones he spoke for me. And he was talking about Benjamin Button. He had gotten this script. Yeah. And this was mm-hmm. before that. the movie was made. Tom Cruise was going to be I Benjamin oh, Button. And he's just saying that you're know, so ambitious. And how do you, you, know, you yeah. can you achieve these things? Yeah. And so he's talking about that, which, which is great. But it's um, actually last night I was talking with Dave Elsie. I ran him Dave and Lou. Dave Elsie, Oscar winner with Rick Baker for The Wolfman. Wolfman. And has done many, many great projects. We were just talking about um, how there's, you know, like with Dick, there's all these major advancements that took our craft so much further forward. And and now, in, in this time we have, 
it doesn't seem like the the advancements are as significant because there are so many things that have already been figured out. But they are, I think all of our advancements are more about speed and security. There are so many things that we do now that are not just figuring out because, I mean, I've, I've worked with stuntmen that were on a long time ago uh, when I was younger. It's like I, there were a lot of, almost everybody in Hollywood worked on Planet of the Apes, and I worked with a lot of stuntmen. They said, oh, they had, to, they had to glue those damn things on left and right. It's like we'd get on a horse and we'd ride, and they'd have to glue the thing back on after the next take. So the maintenance of Planet of the Apes was horrifying mm-hmm. and I can't imagine when people say wouldn't you have liked to have worked on Planet of the Apes <laughs> like I don't think Kill so myself. <laughs> but shot in the summer have, yeah so, in the summer yeah. in, in, in even Ranch, by the shoot yeah. yeah and it's just hot 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 and those and guys wearing basically upholstery yes yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah leather upholstery and then also like even the sequel out in Trona Pinnacles and stuff mm-hmm. just just horrifying I mean at least when when Rick redid it it was uh uh, you know, we had all of those techniques at our disposal. We had zinc oxide, we had uh, telesis adhesive, we had all kinds of good stuff. Yeah. But uh, I lost my track. <laughs> That's right. Now we, we're just talk, uh, we did, we're talking about some of the advancements that Dick did because they were, they were so big. Was there any of the ones that we, that we didn't cover? We talked about overlapping appliances. We talked about packs, the, the alcove trick with that. Yeah. You the told adhesives. me how to uh, take the shine off an acrylic painting is to rub it with unflavored yogurt. Yes, that's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's like, right. Were you eating yogurt when you were painting the drip down there? Like, how, do you, how does someone figure that out? Well, it's, it's connect the dots. You know, you he'd know, see a thing he and then he'd say, so. hey, I could use he the... Really, he thinks outside yeah. of the box. Yeah. When, he did. Uh, mm. When uh, he did The Exorcist, when he did the swelling on the stomach and oh, helped yeah. me, yeah. Story. He, had a, he had an assistant at NBC... Uh, he had him clean an appliance with Vapon, was it? Kevin, you know the story. Well, it was it was Carbon Tet, but it, it goes story. further back. It's actually an apocryphal story for the Wizard of Oz, yes. where they yes. played. A, they were cleaning the, the the molds. They were cleaning the munchkin noses. They were reusing them, mm. and dropping them in acetone overnight. Mm. And one of the pranksters filled it, put Carbon Tet in it. And uh-huh. all the noses swelled up to like three or four times. And the guy that his job was to clean that, he was not liked. He was like one of the... He was, you he know, was like... He had some sort of mojo, like one of the producers. Somebody or somebody. Nephew or something, yeah. yeah. So they the set job. him up. Yeah, they set him up. <laughs> but I'm they sure... Destroyed all the noses, and they all got to be... What have you done, you fool? That's, that's, yeah. that's the story that Dick told me, was he had an assistant at NBC clean, clean an appliance. And he used carbon tet. He used something called Vapon, which is a wig cleaner, which is essentially carbon tet. And when he put it in the in the bucket or whatever it was, it just it puffed out and swelled. And <laughs> and Dick made a note, made a mental note of that. So when he did the uh, the Exorcist, he shot it and then he Jeez. dried it. Yeah, and when and it evaporated, it back, back down. He, yeah. They shot it in reverse and. Uh, it's really good. It goes back to your point is that Dick was such an amazing troubleshooter and problem solver. He was able to figure that stuff out. Mm. You know, one thing we should talk about, we haven't touched on it at all, which is really his course. Well, actually, two things we did. We didn't really talk much. I mean, it was referenced really in passing about his monster makeup handbook. Oh, yeah. well. Yeah. Because that... That's really important. We should take that one first because they were, he was making that for kids, so he... Which is, which is where he came up with his blood formula. Right, because it all had to be stuff you could buy at the grocery store, basically. I mixed gallons of that for the hunger. I had him buckets of 
mix yeah. of blood. And, and for decades, people were using that. Mm-hmm. All the, that book resonated, and is still a, a really, really cool book to have, even though some of it is dated in the designs, but they're still, still fun works. to do. Yeah. And stuff works. But so many people got... You know what? You know the magic element for me was that I had already made some clumsy early attempts with some things that I bought at a local. It was a no, called a novelty joke store, nail and okay. makeup selection, along with the fart cushions and all the other great <laughs> stuff. And uh, I got a stick of Max Factor notes, buddy, and I got some of the other stuff, and I played with the stuff, and it was so intractable, and it was oh. so hard to use, and what you'd wind up with was so disappointing. And I just thought, how in hell does anybody... This is a farce, you know. Nobody can use this stuff. Well, I couldn't. I, so thought, nobody, I, I thought, right? I, I just well, suck. You know, I yeah. thought everybody but else then you brilliant. see his book, and he uses <laughs> he the same blast. stuff. And instead of saying, well, this is, this is a trick, you know, he's, he's not using it, I believed him. There was something about him that was so forthright, even writing. Yeah. I thought, uh, he did it. I, I, you can make something worthwhile out of these materials. I, I have to get better. Right. And that's the right conclusion because that's the point of it. He didn't start that way. He pushed himself that way. One of the intriguing things that I learned when I first worked with him, I was so excited because I was going to see all the, the special this and the special that and the special tools and everything. I couldn't wait to see it. <laughs> and when I got there... I was in a way disappointed because it was the same Roma clay. He had this, almost some of the same tools I had. He was using all the same materials, and I thought it's not the materials; it's the it's the guy using the materials, which is essentially what you're saying. Yeah, you know? it's like the guitar player. It's, it's not in the hands. It's yes. what he's playing. Clapton is going to sound like Clapton no matter what guitar you give him. That's he's going to sound, sound like Clapton. Clapton. Yeah, that's it. And it's it's it's, it's it's a heartbreaker when you first encounter it. You think it isn't. It isn't. There's no well, magic. It, it it's it's got to be me. It was. It, it worked in two ways. It was a bit but of a letdown. yourself. But then like I thought, he well, wait a minute. It, he's using the same thing I could do. That if That's if right. he can do it with that, I can do it with that. That's right. And then you become Peter yeah. Montagna exactly. and I, Greg Reardon and uh, oh, you know, and Kevin Haney. And, and, and I'm like, no, no, it's true. <laughs> and Michael Key. But it's harder because you're thinking, I'll never be Dick Smith. Right. That's the first and most important lesson. He can be my inspiration, but he's not going to, I'll never be him. Right. So I better make something out of myself. I well, guess. it wasn't so much beating him, it was just being the no, best. No, not to beat him. To be the best you could Even do. to come up to his level was like, you're not going to be Dick Smith. I meant, I said B, B, E. Right. I see what you thought I yeah, said, no. beat. No, not beat Dick Smith. And one thing that I should uh, probably point out, which most people have probably figured out at this point, is that Craig, Kevin, and Peter actually worked with Dick Smith in a makeup capacity. Mark and I did not. Uh, we are more the, uh, the product of, because Dick's last uh, film was Everybody's All-American. Yeah. At that point, I was talking with Dick and was just kind of kind of getting into, into the business. But what um, ended up working for me was his makeup course that he put together, right. a correspondence course, yeah. which... Really changed a lot of people for they didn't have the opportunity like you three gentlemen did. For me, that was when working on Gremlins Two, and was was most creative people that I ever worked with in my career. And, and there were seventy five people working for Rick Baker, and I'm just some schmo that's there. But one of the things that my great takeaways was is that you could lock me into a room for ten years. I'm never going to learn. I'm never going to be a sculptor like Matt Rose. Mm. I just that guy has a God-given talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be that. 
or other people seeing what Steve Wang was doing with an airbrush at that time or uh, other things and, and it forced me to, to think about what I want to do mm. and I realized well I want to make people into the characters that they are in the script I want to be on set and make that that's what you know spun my prop and so I decided right then and there I should try to you know to get Dick's course Mm. And I got really lucky because he didn't even really qualify me. Oh, if you're working for Rick, well, that's good enough for me. So I didn't just like, <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, yeah. sent him pictures. He might have said, forget it, kid, go do something else. Yeah, <laughs> told uh, me that. But, uh, like, told, well, told you me. know, you bring up an interesting point. As, as, but it gives uh, you as Jenner says he thing does, to hop over. He also, had a, a, he also had a penchant for being very blunt. Very blunt. Yes. He thought you didn't have what it t- takes. He, he tell you, you know what, I don't think this is for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and which and I talked to him about it once, and he said, you know, I just don't want people wasting their time. I don't want someone to spend a lot of money and digging up, doing this and that. I just don't think some people have it. Yeah, and that's probably a good segue because Mark, that happened to you. Mm-hmm. Completely. And, and it. Um, mm-hmm. But you showed him. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you still made it, but it, it didn't. It didn't discourage you. you. Didn't go home and become. You know. Uh, well, it discouraged me for about a week. I moped around yeah. the house. You know, having having Dick saying, you know, on the phone, um, do you have any other artistic interests outside of makeup? And I went, not really. Why do you ask? Yeah. Why? <laughs> he always pushed dentistry. Yeah. On a lot of a lot of people. Now he just so said something else mm-hmm. other than makeup. And, uh, did you ever think no. about being an exotic dancer? <laughs> 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 I didn't send him those photos, <laughs> but uh, he, you know, and I, I, I just kept sending him stuff. I just yeah. kept working and working and working. I think I wore him down because I don't think I improved that much from my first photos to when he finally said, "I accept you as a student." You know, he said, "Your, please understand, your work shows some promise, but it's still very crude and primitive." Yeah. Uh, and I said, "I, I agree." And um, he, but I still have that letter when I accept you as a student. That was. It was the greatest, more happy with that than my college graduation diploma. He's getting that letter from him saying he took me on as a student. And the course took a whole other generation to make, well, maybe not a generation, but those was like, okay, they couldn't, once Dick retired, there weren't the opportunities that you guys had. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those weren't there, but he created a whole other opportunity, you know, for his own personal reasons. but, But in creating that course... There was nothing like that that had ever come no. before. Oh, God. It was that much information was, it was golden. Especially at the time, you know, it was the 80s. You yeah. didn't have the internet to provide that. There was no Google. There was no information. You had a, no. you had a, you know, phone calls. And how do you do this? How do you do you that? Try to melt tablecloths you know, on he, your he, stove. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was over at my house. This is a true story. And uh, I was trying to push him to do a book. And I said, I, got a, I even got a great name for it, Dick. I said, Collaborations in Character. I said, you could get uh, Olivier, <laughs> you could get Hoffman to talk about the character, and then sure. you show what you did, and it shows the interrelationship, and, da, 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 da. and he listened politely, and he said, no, no. He said, I've done some research, and he said, the return on a book is not that yeah. much for the effort put in. He says, no, he says, I've got an idea to do a correspondence course. Mm. And I just, just cut like, huh? And he said, yeah, he says, I think that, uh, he says, what I have in mind is just to do a sequential correspondence course, and I'm going to keep a high standard, but I'm going to tell them everything I know. And I said, well, that sounds very interesting. Wow. You know, I, and I still was frustrated he didn't do a book. I wish I had a book by Dick Smith. I really do. I that that's just cool. me. But 
forget all that. He did it, and uh, yeah. you know, and yeah. he was right. Not only did it go everywhere, yeah. but made him a peck of money too. You know, yeah. and he deserved he that deserved be because uh, you know all the makeup schools in the world rip him off daily. Yeah. You know, with all of their yeah. you know whatever you call that. Uh, you know, the, the, the operating system of a of a makeup school is mm -hmm. a good one third Dick Smith. Yeah, there's a lot of curriculum that's being borrowed for that. Sure. But that was like having the alchemist's you know book or the the spell book and like a Harry Potter or oh. something to have that. Good analogy. Those materials in there like scabs that uh, and nobody explained things. And then Reese, where did he get the stuff? Where did he, at the end he would say, yeah. "This is where you get everything." And I was like, "This is amazing." And the clarity with which he would explain the process was he, he told unparalleled. Me he yeah. told me something very interesting once. He says. I'm, we, t we talked about the fact that you, you like to share information. And he said, well, because it's an interesting phenomenon. I'm very free with my information. What happens is it goes around, and invariably it comes back to me. And it's either improved, or someone's put a completely different spin on it, mm -hmm. something that I hadn't thought of. It, it, it benef and it benefits everybody, and we all get better for it, including me. So, uh, you know, whether we call it, whether it's a selfish motivation, which I it wasn't, but he, he, he said we all benefit from it, and I benefit from it. So that's why he was, he's, just, he's just a generous guy that way. Now that came in community, too, because like in the 80s, I was needing to do things quick, and I was trying to do some things in gelatin. Mm -hmm. Also, I was super intrigued about doing something more translucent, which came out of being in the shower and putting some conditioner in my hand, which was a peach-colored thing. And I, I kept been thinking all those times, we need you know, something to do. And I looked at that in my hand, and I just... Spread it around my hand and just <laughs> splinted out that the edges of that. I'm going, that we need something like this. <laughs> it's just these inspirations. And then I heard that you know you had been doing some things with gelatin, and there was a guy in Washington D.C., Frank, something, who had also had, had come up with a few things that he was doing that had further that and, and Matthew Muggle, you know, did some. So I was I did some work. In the in the yeah, it might be even early nineties, mm -hmm. I was doing gelatin, but it was all there's this camaraderie based around Dick Smith and his course, and also Dick being the hub of the wheel. Yeah, everybody yeah. talked to him, mm -hmm. and so he would say, "Oh, go you know look up this guy or go get that." The reason I know know Dave Elsie is because when I was uh, Going to London for the first time as an adult in 1997, uh, I was going to interview Stuart Freeborn for the 20th anniversary of Star Wars. Wow. Uh, it was like the issue five or six, six uh, issue six of the magazine, I believe. So just the first anniversary of the magazine, really. And so Dick said, okay, you need to go see Chris Tucker. Also, if you're going over there, and you got to go see mm -hmm. Dave Belsey and the guys at Creature Effects. And yeah. He connected people. There was a rumor, I don't know if it's true, that he connected Guillermo del Toro and J.J. Abrams, who were both his students at the time. Oh. As, a, as, a, as filmmakers, these aspiring filmmakers. I didn't know if he connected them, but they were his students for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, he, he called me once, and uh, he, taught, he was telling me about some kid that was one of his students who had an opportunity to direct a film. And, uh, you know, and so I told him, why not? What do you got to lose? And it was Del Toro, but it, that name meant nothing. Right, right. It was like you know, Frito Bandito or whatever, you know. And uh, so I thought, uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that, Dick. And that's the best possible advice to anybody. Don't limit them, uh, particularly if you don't if they're looking at something that you're not a, 
you know, you don't know how to do. Who is it? Who are you? And I, by that time, I could talk to him like that. Yeah. Were you to tell him no? Yeah. And uh, Del Toro was forever grateful. You know, uh, I don't remember. Were you there when they had that memorial for him, Peter? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know uh, Del Toro was torn up. Yeah. You know, I mean, this was someone huge in his life. Sure. And it was very touching to me to see uh, him take the stage and the amount of emotion yeah. that he displayed. Yeah. Uh, it's not wasn't surprising to see it from other colleagues, but that surprised me. Yeah, you know. yeah. One, I, I get concerned because I think people people will, love them. Yeah. Will forget. It will. It will end up happening. How many people know who Cecil Holland is? It's a trivia question almost within our industry. Yeah. Do they know who Cecil Holland is? From what yeah. he brought to it, or Long Chinese more known? Yeah. I'll tell you an interesting master. Cecil Holland story, which is elliptical. I worked for Kenny Chase years ago on Roots Two in his house. And he had a beautiful portrait in his hallway of a, a, a little girl, beautiful pastel, I mean beautiful. And I once said, Ken, who is this? What, what is this? And he, and he said, that's a portrait of my wife when she was a baby, basically a little girl, by Cecil Holland. Wow. What? Really? Wow. And it was beautiful. Wow. Yeah. He was a real artist. There's a rumor that Cheney utilized Cecil Holland. Or that he took the name Man of a Thousand Faces from Cecil well, no, Holland. He, utilized, Cecil he actually utilized some of his techniques or learned a lot from Cecil Holland. I, some of the pictures uh, that, of, of makeups that he did seem to be um, of Cheney makeups. Um, or did Holland is, imitate Cheney? Yeah. It's, it's rumored that he acted as an assist to refine some of the techniques and stuff. Well, Fred Phillips claimed that he assisted Cheney. I don't know if you guys knew that. And I met Fred and talked to him for an hour and a half once. Wow. And there's no harm in that. I mean, the, no, no, I mean Hollywood, true or not. Hollywood uh, publicity departments like to, you know, uh, create the, you know, mad scientist working alone sure. you know, with no assistance. And I sometimes drag interviews down mentioning assistance to the point where it must be extremely boring and they end up snipping them it's out. A, it's a tough moral quandary. Do you just cut them out or do you mention people but who I get, really helped you? you but know, I get boring topic. sometimes because I will mention, you know, yeah, sure. this person helped with that and that person yeah. helped with this. Barnett did a, a, a documentary on Charlie Gamora and maintains that mm -hmm. there might have been some connection there because at that time, mm. I mean, all the college, you're all working together. Of course, there's going to be some... And Gamora was a makeup artist, too. That's yeah. not widely known. I saw that documentary. It's pretty interesting. And I think Jack Pierce was supposed to have observed, at least observed, Lon Chaney. So, <clears throat> who the hell knows? My know. grandmother met Lon Chaney. But I have to say, She too, worked for Universal in 23. Wow. Who develops in the vacuum? But nobody. Yeah, nobody. nobody. No, I mean, Carl's not fond of, of having the spotlight put on him, but uh, the period of time between Altered States and... and, and uh, oh, what was the last thing they did? Spasms? You know, it's like Carl was so important for Altered States, The sure. Hunger. Uh, yeah, in, all in, of those in fact, uh, on The Hunger, it was the work was pretty much divided. Dick was doing the aging makeups, all that stuff, and Carl was doing all the money Carl was doing all the money stuff. Mm. And devising the banana skin mold yeah. and how they were going to transport these. They were transported in the molds and demolded yeah. over in England. And all the materials had to be sent to England, wow. all the dry all the dry materials, because oh it had to God. be it was so fragile they had to be made over sure. there. It had to be poured up. Oh Lordy. 
and, mm -hmm. and the technique of, of, the, of making them crumble, which is very, very clever. And a technique that I've never seen done before, or, or not done before, uh, yeah, technique I've never seen done before or since, using the slip clay and the, and the rubber to make skin look, uh, you know, uh, mummy, mummified. Well, well, I mean, Dick used that also. I mean, that was, a, that was a trick that Dick liked to use a lot of. If I can create it, I mean, when you mentioned the Dorian Gray, mm -hmm. that's not clay. That's mm -hmm. mortician's wax. Yeah, with wax. You know, yeah. And, but I mean, not the stuff on the side. The actual sculpture is mortician's wax sealed with cap plastic uh -huh. and then textured. He couldn't right. have gotten that effect with right. clay, but right. he also used the the skin over. I think by Poltergeist three, he was when he did the mummy for. Uh, uh, Helen, not Helena Rubinstein. Uh, what's her name? Uh, oh, Zelda. Zelda Rubinstein. Zelda Rubinstein. Yeah. Uh, and he would take a thin coat of gelatin, make make a skin, yeah, lay sheets. it on it, and then uh, and then he would put gelatin underneath and create. This thing where he would then melt it, and it would—it was just weird. That's what he did on the Duneff <laughs> yeah. head. He he had a, a basic sculpture, and then he took a sheet, a gelatin sheet, and put it over the form, and just noodled it around till it looked, yeah. until it looked organic enough. But there's no way you could have sculpted. That. I mean, you could sculpt it, but it just wouldn't look the same. It would take forever, and it, but it gave it this organic, withered quality. Yeah. And then he'd take a mold off of that. And then make his skins, make the foam skins that way. Yeah, but, but those really are the clever. kind of things that you know distinguished. It's it's sad that he didn't get to do as many monster movies um, as he had ideas of. He he always wanted to do uh, uh, the H.P. Lovecraft uh, Innsmouth. Hmm. Yeah, Innsmouth. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he, he did a fish. I saw the person, designs of fish. fish and fish he never got to do a, a film Frankenstein. And he never got to do a mummy. Uh, I think K and B uh, did a version of his mummy uh, for a show. Dick Wasn't was there? Like there was an Arthur Conan Doyle story called Lot something, yeah. made like a like a lot in auctions, yeah. which was basically a mummy in a case, and it comes to life. Yeah. I never read it, but, but he did the, a back in the sixties. He'd done a head of a mummy, yeah. and it was in his shop. And and he used the techniques from the Monster Makeup Handbook with the ping pong ball eyes, storage trays. With the black, the very unusual yeah. black, uh, instead of whites, it was black, with the red, and the home, yellow. Yeah. You know, it, and it just, and he probably utilized some of those, you know, latex and, and gelatin techniques to create some of the withering. It just was a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I think later, uh, one of the things that was nice about the first ape man. Uh, which was done for Arthur Penn was that he got to do it was an Australopithecus it was going to be quite an apish ape man uh, and I don't think there's sadly any pictures of that sculpture no pictures at all uh, he might have I never saw he might have some of the sculpture but I think it fell through the cracks I don't know but I, it I, was I, like he was gonna he was gonna try to I mean, the Miguel makeup is more subtle and, 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 a, and a really cool makeup, but there were elements of watching him sculpt that gorilla head that was like, you know, he was going like, and, and he was attributing some of, the, some of the observations to Rick's gorillas. It was like, well, Rick tells me that, you know, if you've lengthened out the head, that, you know, it makes the forehead look thinner. And, <laughs> and it was kind of cool, the, you know, the master learning from the student as well, because he revered 
Rick. Oh, and, hell yeah. And oh, sure. Felt that, Rightly so. You know, and felt it uh, in many ways. You know, I'm, I'm glad it turned out the way he did it. And I'll say it because of 2001, which is a pretty good pioneering depiction of a humanoid, ape-like mm-hmm. character, I think. Whatever, you know, minor you know, criticisms may pertain today. At the time, I was amazed <laughs> when I saw that movie. Yeah. Uh, although I'm sure Dick's ape-like thing would have been gorgeous, but uh, the fact that he did keep a more human figure to me was intriguing. Just well, even seeing con- it, not not even having anything to do with putting it on, just looking at it when it was and the tested. whole concept of you know Miguel was a ballet dancer and yes. he had a balletic grace, which you do a different face for that. Mm-hmm. That Good was point. the whole idea of it was that it was more of a. He wasn't poking around the bush as he was moving. Yeah, I don't know. The script also changed. I mean, it was still Patty Chayefsky's script, but. It was more this little fella that we that we cast was you know he was literally four foot. Wide. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to point out too that uh, Kevin was on it way before I was when it was still going to be directed by, by Arthur, Arthur Penn. Penn. Now, Dick yeah. had talked to me about it, you know, but I mean I wasn't involved. Yeah. And uh, what happened, obviously, right? Is yeah. Penn got cashiered by uh, Chayefsky over something. No, they they. It was this. It you was, know why? It, what it, happened? I don't know what happened, but it wasn't. I don't think Chayefsky got him fired, but I think the studio just pulled the plug. They weren't happy about uh, the way it was going, hmm. and the two survivors were, uh, well, the cast, but yes, uh, the cast uh, for Herbert sure. Gottfried, the producer, yeah. and Dick Smith. Wow. the only two survivors of the of the regime. Yeah. We need to get a period at the end of sentence on this because we're coming up on two hours of it. And I've been trying to think about how how do we end this? I mean, we could set it for another two hours easily. <laughs> this will be part one. Favorite Dick, <laughs> favorite Dick Smith movie. I was That's thinking either that. No. Either, <laughs> either that. That's what I was about. There is one. Do, and then They're all that came up with another <laughs> one. What was your best takeaway? From Dick Smith, if you could take it down to a nugget, not a long story, but yeah. what's your best takeaway, Kevin? My best takeaway is don't be obsessed. Strangely enough, coming from a man who was obsessed with details, <laughs> don't be obsessed with details. I was shocked to find out that, uh, well, first of all, he said never match to a mistake. If you make a mistake on a day, never match it. Just just match as best you can and make it right. Uh, it, it's it's dangerous, but he cited. The Godfather, where the first scene with the plumpers is Sonny's in the morgue. And if you look at the plumpers, they're huge. They're like huge, and I mean huge. And he slowly ground them down. There's three different sizes of plumpers in that movie that now that I've told you are very obvious. Uh, And the wedding was shot much later. And that was by the time uh, the um, the makeup was established. And I believe that Dick might have also told me that you know the first time you see a makeup is the most important day. And it's mm-hmm. like it's not the first day that you do it. It's it's more like you you're, you're going to see this, and that's your establishing uh, uh, picture. I think his affection for uh, makeup and makeup artists. Uh, unsurpassed. He taught me heart. He taught me uh, compassion for the art, for other people. He taught me uh, don't, you know, it's like one of the things about the course that you said earlier was 
he not only had his techniques, it wasn't his way or the highway, yeah. he had other techniques from other artists. He never yeah. believed in Good. the Hollywood positive, yeah. but he put it in the course. Yeah. That's right. He, when I did the, the Bowie hands, you know, he came up and he went, yeah, Kevin, it's all very sweet, but it's not what I would do. <laughs> I remember that. But, I remember uh, that. You crushed. <laughs> well, but then he, then, he, then he did. He says, but I like it. Those and it's, very a, good. it's not what I would have done. I remember that. Peter, best takeaway. Uh, he was very meticulous, and you could see it in his work, and that's that's one of the things I took away from him. Also, to think outside the box, there's always a solution to a problem, and he was a huge problem solver, and that's what made him that's what made him great was his ability to solve problems, and that's what they hired him for. How are we going to do this, Dick? How are we going to shoot this? And he and he did it, and he delivered every single time. And in doing so, like we mentioned earlier, he would come away with either some new invention or some new technique or something out of it. And I've always that's that's probably the one thing. I, and 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 his generosity, of course, some, don't keep secrets. But the idea of thinking outside the box. I remember he had me mixing packs once for the hunger. He had all the colors weighed. He had them weighed out to the tenth of a gram, hundredth of a gram, seven point five six grams of, of red oxide, <laughs> red oxide burnt umber. He had all the formulas, and I'm weighing them all out, and I'm diligently doing it. And this it dawned on me: how in the world did he figure this out to the tenth of a gram? I don't, I don't get it. And then come out with the right, the right color every single time. So I said, Dick, I'm, I'm a little befuddled here. It, 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 it looks great, everything's fine. How did you figure this out to the tenth of a gram? And he said, well, it was, it was very simple. I just took all, the, I took all of the tubes before I, before I mixed them and I weighed them. And then I mixed up my color. And then I reweighed the tubes and I subtracted the difference. I looked at, and I went, oh my God, it's, yeah. it's genius. I would have never thought to do that. That's thinking outside the box. That is, that is so Dixon. Thinking outside the box. Me, I, I would say, um, don't be afraid. The generosity, first of all, and, and I remember his generosity and how that made me feel as a kid who was on the outside looking in, that this, this famous Hollywood guy would, would even spend time talking to me, a nobody. I, that, that's one thing I recall, but also um, something else was uh, don't be afraid to uh, walk away from a job. If it's horrible experience and you're being abused and you're being bullied, don't, don't be afraid to, to quit. He goes. I walked off the uh, walked off the, uh, the deer hunter, and he told me that story, and I was like, "No way!" I was fascinated by that. So that's the other thing too is is uh, you know stand up for yourself, and, and you know you, nobody knows your art better than you do on that set, even though they might act like they do. Craig, best Dick Smith takeaway. Well, my my takeaway from Dick this is a guy who uh, grew up without any connection to the movie business at the very height of Hollywood's golden era where he would have been dazzled by anything he would have seen in any movie in those days. And I don't know at what point he, because uh, he never told me, where he became struck by makeup. I think the early signpost or milepost was something like Hunchback or Notre Dame. Charles Lloyd and George Bowes' great makeup. But he made himself into what he became. And uh, I think that the lesson to be extracted from that is have faith in yourself. You can't be Dick Smith. But he wasn't Dick Smith until he became Dick Smith, and you could be you, and nobody else can be you. And I mean it. That is what ultimately I think uh, is Dick's bequest 
to all lovers of makeup and movies and anybody that has a dream and an ambition. Uh, look into yourself. You'll find it there, mm -hmm. if it's there at all. Mine is Dick's dedication to makeup artists and the art. Yes. It was, it just seemed to be unending of what he would do, which is why he was willing to come and be a keynote speaker for some guy that he barely knew. I was just another guy on the other end of the telephone that he'd never met in person. And he was willing to come be a keynote speaker for me at the very first time at show. Yep. I don't even know if the show would have really pulled off without... Uh, we had a lot of things that were trying... There's people that did not want IMATS to happen, actually. Hmm. Uh, and that's about all I'll say about that bit. But I thought, how, how in the world do I deal with this? Is I'm either doing damage control or i got to make it so good that you know, the naysayers and people trying to throw us out of the bus will shut up. I thought, what's the best thing I could do? And I thought... If I could get Dick Smith to come, that would be the shoot the moon. Mm -hmm. So with my hat in my hand, I called him up and I said, this is what I'm going to do. And there's this. And I said, is there any way I can bring you out and, then, and have you come there? And just, he thought about it a minute. He said, oh, I'll, I'll come do that for you. He really wasn't doing that for me. I, I really understand that. I mean, he was doing a little bit for me, maybe this 10%, but he was really doing that to come and inspire people in our tribe to come be with artists, to come and give back to our craft. That's Dick Smith and those round tables. Uh, what I'm referencing is the, what's called the Dick Smith round table. He would sit all day long in the show and people would make appointments to see him and show the portfolios and get words from the master. He constantly gave back, and um, that's what I keep trying to do is to be a good steward of what's been given me, and you know, however I can. I want to thank my guests for being a part of this really unique conversation. We could have had more people here. We could have had different people here. We could have, it could have been, but we uh, really this came out of a conversation that was at the Motion Picture Academy Museum that we had several months ago as, as we donated some of the great stuff that Mark was gifted from Dick Smith that is now in the uh, Motion Picture Academy Museum. And we had a lovely lunch afterwards and had a conversation much like this. And Peter suggested, wow, we should record that and do it as a podcast or make it available for others to hear. For Makeup Artist Magazine, I am Michael Key, and thank you for listening.